0: Welcome to another edition of One Bottle at a Time, and we're here today with Mr. Robin Kelly O'Connor of RKO Vine, and he's a Global Wine Specialist. We're at Le Midi, located at 11 East uh, 16th Street, 11 East 13th Street. 13th Street, yes. All right, in uh, New York City. Uh, How are you today, Mr. O'Connor? Good, thank you. Fine, Uh, fine. Fantastic. All right, and for our audience, can you please tell us the... uh, one bottle that we're enjoying today?
1: Yes, we're having this fabulous Vivanco Corianza 2014 from Rioja made from Tempranillo and it's a fabulous winery right in the heart of Rioja Alta in the La Rioja district and uh, one of my favorite favorite bodegas and also arguably one of the greatest wine museums in the whole world is at uh, Vivanco.
0: Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. O'Connor along uh, uh, with Mr. uh, John Camacho at a wine tasting we had uh, a couple months ago in New York City, and uh, I was really looking forward to uh, doing this uh, particular podcast with him. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe you just returned from uh, a trip over to Europe.
1: I did, I did. I just got back last week. So it was almost a month in France and Spain. Had the great opportunity to uh, go to Paris and then on to Bordeaux and uh, had a fabulous time in Bordeaux. It was the 20th anniversary celebration of the Saint-Emilion area within Bordeaux being named a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So in 1999, the entire not, on, not only the town of Saint-Emilion, but all the vineyards were named a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And it was a three-day extravaganza. They, in fact, uh, moved the jazz festival, which is normally at the end of July, up to the uh, festival, which was the last weekend in June. So during the three days, you had 30 amazing jazz acts. Wow. Wine mm-hmm. tastings, wine dinners. Uh, Uh, Just the Mm. whole town was alive. Saint-Emilion is this very, very charming little town. Only has a little over 2,000 residents, and I always laugh. I believe they have more wine stores per capita than anywhere else in the universe. Wow. Uh, The last count was about 90 wine stores in a little town of 2,000.
0: So even even more per capita than... New York City. Oh, well, we have wine stores at every turn. So well, we that's, just, that's fascinating was, to this find was out. At
1: every other door. Okay. In, in, <laughs> in the town. So, uh, what's the point? The Point is, you'll never go thirsty when you're in Saint-Emilion.
0: Exactly. 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 So,
1: so, so an area known for its red wines, legendary red wines.
0: Okay. So, speaking of uh, Saint-Emilion and uh, and Bordeaux, uh, I believe you are a member of a uh, Bordeaux organization. I am, yes. uh, Tell us a little bit about that. So
1: I, for 20 years, from 1989 to 2008, I was the brand ambassador, uh, market director, a trade liaison for the entire Bordeaux wine-growing community, which is called the Conseil Interprofessionnel de Vins de Bordeaux. But for, 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 for simplicity's sake... Known as the Bordeaux Wine Trade Council.
0: All right. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh,
1: it was great, uh, and oh, nice. um, so I covered everything from Canada to South America, in oh, in uh, pr- representing all the wine producers, all the growers, all the negotiants, all the shippers, et cetera, et cetera. That anyone that's really involved in Bordeaux, I was working for them. Wonderful. And, and so, wow. so again, this big big trade council and. And all the wine regions in France have these trade councils. Okay. So, so it's called. And again, CIVB Conseil Interprofessionnel de Vendabordeaux. Bordeaux. Wow. But but, Loire has their own right, Burgundy, right. Right. Uh, right. Uh, Alsace, Champagne, Rhone, uh, Languedoc, Roussillon, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Okay. Wonderful. So, so I imagine that gives you uh, uh, that gives you the opportunity to uh, really taste. A wide range of uh, what Bordeaux has to offer. Yes,
2: yeah. I mean, <laughs>
1: you know, the good news, good news is, uh, so when I started out, there was about ten thousand chateaux producers, and now there is. I, and I don't remember, I don't know why I know this figure, but it's six thousand eight hundred eighty-three chateaus. So there's there's less chateaus but there's been a lot of consolidation right, right. in Bordeaux. So it's not that those vineyards don't exist anymore but they've been they've been uh, bought out by other chateaus and then made right. a little bigger. Right. So right. so you have less chateaus. But the but the land mass under vine is still about the same. So uh you have close to three hundred thousand acres of vines wow in Bordeaux. Wow so hundred and twenty three thousand hectares. So an hectare is two point four seven acres so Multiply that and you get you get close close to 300,000 acres Wow of uh, vine and in Bordeaux right now they're making About 89% red and 9% dry white and 2% sweet and then also there's uh, quite a bit of rosé being made as well mm. so mm. uh, Rosés become very very popular and 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 not not Last but not least, that, that, that there has, there's actually some sparkling wines being made as well, mm. uh, not in the champagne method, but right, uh, right. but uh, but they're they're very nice, very very refreshing, uh, small quantities, but uh, what they do they do very very well.
2: Okay.
0: So now one of the things I wanted to focus on uh, this particular episode was uh, on climate and how it affects uh, you know the grapes as they grow and uh, ultimately uh, with the, uh, in concert with the terroir. Uh, the taste of uh, the taste of our wines. So for myself, uh, I was fortunate enough to live in uh, uh, Glen Ellen, California, for a couple of years. Oh, great. Uh, right, right uh, Glen Ellen and Sonoma. Yeah, right, right yeah. close to Sonoma.
1: Know it no, very well.
0: Right. And uh, it was a vineyard at the time. It was called Valley of the Moon. I don't know if it's. Uh, I
1: remember Valley of the Moon. Right, right.
0: I want. I, you know, I, I don't. I, I believe someone else owns that property now. So that was uh, some well, years ago. Joel
1: Peterson. Okay. A famous of uh, Ravenswood Winery. Okay. Uh, had bought quite a quite a big chunk in the Valley of the Moons. Uh, I'd be remiss to say, but I believe somewhere around a hundred. And 20, 125 acres, he bought in in the in that Valley of the Moon area. He mostly mostly old vines, um, lots of Zin and Syrah and Sensol, wow. but, but mostly I think it was almost a hundred percent. As they call it, gnarly old red vines. Right, right, right. Making some really cool wines there. Wow. Okay. So, so now so you're in a great place. Right,
0: right. So for me, uh, as a person that uh, grew, grew up here in the New York City uh, uh, metropolitan area, uh, it was quite a surprise to me uh, the climate there. Yes. Because obviously here in New York we get the uh, we get the cold winters and the, a lot of snow and we get the humid summers, and when I was there the first time it was in the summertime. And it was amazing to me that it would get as high as maybe 94 or 95 degrees in the summertime during the day. But you can almost set your watch because right around 6.30, quarter to 7, the temperature would drop somewhere between, uh, I would say, 57 degrees and uh, maybe, uh, maybe 64. And I just found that to be, you know, such an amazing swing. You know, especially living here in New York, because even it gets even more humid at night in the summertime. So that was wow, that was an amazing experience for me. And uh, I later found out that uh, that is uh, the type of climate that is very conducive to to grape growing. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And uh, I guess in the Bordeaux region, how does the climate tie in with the, yeah, the growing well that, the grapes? Yeah, well, that's so.
1: interesting. Um, so Sonoma, what, one of the reasons for that. Cooling effect, or they call the diurnal effect of hot days and cooler nights, is that you're so close to the Pacific Ocean, and uh, and then of course you have the bay coming in, uh, and so you, you get this cool Pacific air coming in that really attributes to the temperature dropping quite rapidly. So. What's happening in Bordeaux? It's on the Atlantic Ocean as opposed to the Pacific. Okay. And things are just slightly more humid. So, so where you were in Sonoma, I don't think the humidity was so, very so bad. L-
0: next to nothing. Next yeah. to nothing, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So I mean, but you're still close to the San Pablo Bay. Right. And you're getting, you're sucking in all that cool Pacific air, mm. and that that translates coming right up into the vineyards, which is very very close. Right. But what happens in Bordeaux? It's a very temperate climate. It does get cold in the winter, but not freezing cold. Occasionally, they have a little snow. Uh, Springs can be iffy, can rain, it can get on the cold side, but you can have some warm spells in in the spring. Uh, Of course, rain is a big part of that community, strictly because you're so close to the Atlantic Ocean. So it's it's uh, a very, very important element, you know, a historic element right. of, of, of this Gwengar region. Mm. And, I mean, I always laugh, modern Bordeaux really traces itself back to 1252. Okay. Because you had a marriage between Henry the Platagenet, king of England, Henry the king of England, and then Eleanor, the... Queen of Aquitaine, and Aquitaine was this whole area of Western France, mm-hmm. and they got married in 1152. So in Henry's dowry, he became King of Aquitaine, and she remained queen. Okay. And <laughs> so you had a big sea shift in that the wines were being shipped up to the UK or up to England uh, all the time, and so so jokingly I say modern Bordeaux. Really started in 1152. Wow, and that's how long they've been at it. Wow. So you have a lot of great, a lot of great pro- properties that got their start in the 12th, 13th, and 14th centuries that are still there, and some of some of the chateaus are still there. In, wow. in, in really good shape. Wow. But um, what they had time to do is identify the right soils for the right grape varieties, mm. and then understanding the weather that's going to constantly come in from the Atlantic Ocean. Right. So you've got to always be aware of the humidity. And so what one of the consequences of being so close to the Atlantic Ocean and the humid side of the equation is that they constantly are in fear of mildew. Mm. And mildew is, a, is an enemy of the vine. And right. mildew, of course, is coming from way too much uh, moisture. Too much rain or too much humidity so that's one thing that they have to be very uh, cognizant of in in the when they're in the vine and how they're going to treat the vine you know how much they're going to cut back how much canopy do they need etc cetera, etc cetera. and then flowering generally takes place about the end of may beginning in june and then the old rule of thumb in the old world france or bordeaux is that. You usually counted a hundred days from the time of flowering until you would pick the grapes, and you have to remember, for centuries there weren't any trained winemakers, so it was a, everything was passed down from family to family, from you know father to son, father to daughter, mother to daughter, mother to son. Right. And right. that's that's the way that's the way it worked out. But there wasn't until literally 1964. Wow. Uh, in Emilion and Pomerol was the first time they ever had a, a university-trained winemaker. Wow. So we're not that, talking that long ago. Wow. 50, 60 years with with only having trained winemakers that really understand what they're doing.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And and, and for so long, yeah. they've been uh, putting out excellent wine, even before the trained winemakers. You scratch your head and say, amazing. how did
1: they do it? Wow. And I think one of the reasons is that they were so meticulous – in studying what their fathers and mothers right. did and their grandfathers and um and, and, and observing every detail, even though again these weren't college trained winemakers uh, or enologists. Okay. They they studied the details. Yeah. The the really day to day okay on October first I'll do this, you know, and May first I'll do this. Right, they right. knew every year right. what they were gonna do on that date. Mm. And so kind of rote memorization over seven, eight centuries. Right. Yeah, you yeah, end up knowing. And then and then the other thing that they got really right was knowing where to plant the right grapes in the right soils. Now California's learning that. Right. And right. the other New World places, mm. New Zealand, um Australia, Australia. Chile right. South Africa. Mm-hmm. South Africa, Argentina. Yeah. They're they're figuring all that out. Right. But remember a place like Bordeaux had eight centuries to figure out, okay, Cabernet really grows fabulous in gravelly soils. Right. And Merlot does a little bit better in clay and mm. maybe Cabernet Franc and limestone, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So so there's just something that they've 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 been able to maneuver and get straight and, and you know one of the reasons that uh, Bordeaux has been able I think to make fabulous wines is just understanding the climate, the, the terroir as you said, the, the soils mm. the, 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 the 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 right vines in the right place uh, you know, do you do a low cut vine? do you have a right. big pergola? Right. and so so they've gotten all that worked out and um, you know the, the, the most important thing you know, about Bordeaux at the end of the day is what are they looking for in the wines? And they're looking for elegance, balance, uh, some freshness, complexity, some complexity, complexity right? and um, you know, and, 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 and an expression of the soil, expression of the terroir. Mm. So it, in, in a way it makes, it makes the wines unique and that's why the whole world for the last 40, 50 years in California and everywhere else when they make a Bordeaux blend of Cabernet Merlot, Cabernet Franc, et cetera, et cetera, they're they're trying to model those wines on balance, freshness, Mm. elegance, Mm. finesse, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, so Bordeaux has been very lucky in mastering that, uh, the the techniques. And uh, of course, back to climate, uh, climate change has been quite good to, to, to Bordeaux, really? recently.
0: Okay. Now, now, uh, when we were speaking a little bit early, you had mentioned that uh, on the trip that you just came back from, that they had hot, this this hot, crazy, hot beyond, crazy heat wave, and you, hot I think you mentioned it, right? And the weather in Bordeaux got to what? Up to what?
1: So I was in Bordeaux at the end of June, and we got up one day to uh, ninety nine point five hundred. But then I missed the second heat wave, which was last week. And Bordeaux got up, from my understanding, at about 108.5. Wow. Which is just, you know. <laughs> blazing. This, well, That's blazing. Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. <laughs> and, 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 and here we are at the end, end of, uh, well, wow. we're August 1st. Wow. So we, 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 just, we just put put July to rest. Mm. And you're right in this period, what they call verraison when the green... Greenness of the grapes, or t- particularly the red grapes, are turning red. Mm. So this we're right in that when the color changes from from what what the grapes from the flowering they become green grapes, mm. and then right about now you start seeing red, mm. and and this is a very important period wow. for the development of the grape, which lasts a few weeks wow. of of the of the grape turning completely green to you know dark right. purple yeah. blue. Black, and um, what what this high heat can do is cause a high acceleration of several things, forcing the grapes to mature more rapidly than you wish. Mm. So by slowing, by by accelerating that, you you get a rise in uh, alcohol. Right. You get a rise in sugars. Mm. Uh, you. You want a slow maturation, not a fast maturation. So what then? You end up losing out on is possibly aromatic mm. uh, development, mm. and so this is a, this is a this is a very dangerous, dangerous wow. time for particularly in people in Bordeaux who have never experienced this sort of weather. Mm. And be honest, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc are not grapes that are sustainable with blazing high heat mm. for a long period of time. Wow. There, there's other grapes that are better suited like Syrah, right. Sensol, uh, Morved, uh, what else am I thinking of? Uh, Portuguese grapes like mm. uh, 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 Torriga Nacional, Tariga Tenta. Mm. These grapes are, are, are much, much, much better suited. For that blazing heat, right, right. So, right. so that, so, so, Bordeaux has a, you know, a, a dilemma that they have to consider. Right now, they're going through the golden period mm. of, of uh, climate change and enjoying it, because Bordeaux's problem, for centuries, was that they couldn't get the grapes ripe enough. Mm. So, a hundred and fifty years ago, for example, in the eighteen fifties right when they made that famous classification, 1855, right around then, your typical great wine, Chateau Lafitte, Rothschild or something like that, struggled to get 10% alcohol, 10, 10, maybe 10.5%. 10, mm. uh, it was just it, so hard for these grapes to mature. And now you're looking natural alcohol levels at... 13, 13 and a half 14, mm. and then if you have blazing heat like we've had now, which which they had back in 2010 and 2003, wow. you might even see alcohol levels up to 15, 15.5% 15. Right. Uh, alcohol by value.
0: So now 2003, 2010. Uh, how did those vintages turn out? And, and I, I imagine that this particular 2019 is going to be something to uh, watch yeah, what happens, right? Be, well, so be, how, did, how did 2010 and yeah, 2003 so, turn so, out as far so as you to, you, you to, recall?
1: 2003s that I've been tasting, I'm very impressed. Mm. And I think the reason for that, though, they were not prepared for the heat in 2003. Mm. They... The winemaking was better. You had more expertise. You had more, uh, honestly, you had you, you had you had people with just better education and knowledge of dealing with with things that were unexpected, like high heat. Right. And 03 right. was blazing, and I was there. I mean, hmm. it was brutal. It was the, I think, the hottest year on records since 1893. Wow. So I mean, you went a long spell, 1893 to 2003, and and there yeah, there were a few hot years. Of, uh, 47 was very hot, 1947, mm. 49, but 03 just started sa- setting records since 1893, mm. and there were areas with the Merlot grape because Merlot is m- much more susceptible to uh, the heat than. Cabernet Sauvignon, that being because Cabernet Sauvignon has a thicker skin right. and can withstand a higher heat level, and Merlot has a thinner skin. And that's all the reason why Merlot always ripens earlier than Cabernet Sauvignon. <sighs> and is, is a, is as a grape variety or as a wine made just from Merlot, it, it ripens earlier in the bottle. So your Pomeroles and your Saint-Emilions and your Fronsacs... Tend to ripen a lot earlier than your left bank wines mm. from Margot or Pauillac, Saint Julien, Saint Estephe, or Medoc. So it, it's because of that Merlot having the function of ripening early. And when they get it ripe, there, there's no finer grape than Merlot. It's mm. an amazing grape variety. I mean, to the point where 62 percent. Of uh, the vineyard area in Bordeaux is planted to Merlot. Wow! And that it, it, it used to be less than that, but and it, it keeps rising. It could be sixty-three percent now. And uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. When I started out working for Bordeaux in the late '80s, it was about twenty-seven percent, and Cabernets dropped back to about 23, 24 percent. Though I understand. There's this big effort to do a lot of replanting with Cabernet Sauvignon, just because it's, it's, it's it has longer hang time and needs more time on the vine. It can withstand the heat. And then Cabernet Franc, ooh, it's probably somewhere about 11 or 12% of the production uh, of, the, of the vineyards planted. And then um, the other three varieties, uh, Petit Verdot, Malbec, and uh, Carmen you Sac, you there's hardly any any Carmen Sac planted, mm. and with uh, Petit Verdot and Malbec, I'd say they represent less than two percent of the entire plantation wow. of everything there. So, so you've got, um, you you so, so so Merlot is basically king, right in Bordeaux. Okay. That, that, that's the great. <laughs> okay. And, and then you asked in oh3 so interestingly enough, it was blazing hot. And they, in Pomerol, the grapes of Merlot, they resonated and shriveled up in many vineyards. So in 03 you had no Chateau Petrus. You had no Chateau Le Pen, if you can well imagine. They didn't wow. make it. They didn't make it. They couldn't make it. Mm. The, the, the grapes, they resonated. So that's what. that's what... This high heat
0: wow, scenario
1: wow. Will do so wow. you ask what's going to happen in 2019? Hold on.
0: Why hold they, on? Be, to
1: they, see, they, right. Because it. it uh, I have to call a few friends next week. It's all. It's always a little too early. You. Mm-hmm. It, it's not an immediate effect. It's just like hail. When you get hail, which which Bordeaux is very susceptible mm. to hail. Where where for example, when you were in the Valley of the Moons, you didn't really get hail. No, out never, there. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that just just wasn't the right. the right uh, area for hail. But Bordeaux, Burgundy you're always in fear of hail. Mm-hmm. And the thing about hail, you have a hail storm. Well, it does you no good to go out an hour later after the hail storm and then make an assessment, did I lose everything? Because hail's coming in May and you haven't had the flowering. But once that flowering comes, if you have hail in June, remember, you're just tiny little buds. Right they're, right, they're, right, they're little dots. Yeah. And the only way to tell if you lost your production is to wait three or four days and then if the hail was devastating, all the little bunches and buds will be burned. Mm. They'll they'll be black color and you can just more or less write that off as saying you lost lost that vine or that crop. So oh, it's, wow. it's kind of kind of kind of interesting.
0: Okay, so now we talked a bit about the uh, effects of the heat and the sun, and I think uh, I'm a Tour de France uh, fan, and I think uh, I love the Tour de France. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I think they had a day or two where they were they were actually affected by the hail. They were right. So and they, they had were, to stop the were, race, right?
1: They, they, yeah. So right. they were in the Alps. This was um, really really a phenomenon. They mm. were on. Thursday Was it Wednesday or Thursday? And I'm going to say it was Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. It was Friday. And um, because I watched it. And I was in Washington, D.C. A friend of mine was there for for a family gathering. And I got up early. It was one at 8 o'clock. And they went up on one side of the Alps, the mountains, and the other side where they were supposed to come back down, got blasted with hail. <laughs> it, it, was, it was about three feet of hail wow. and snow, wow. and they had to stop the race.
0: Wow. Uh, and,
1: and guess what? These guys are barreling down at 60 miles right, an hour. Right, exactly, right. Um, and, and the race officials didn't even know how bad it was mm. on the other side, you know, because the race is pretty long. I mean, it's right. like 100 and some miles. So they were up over the mountain, and you, you, you thought you were in winter wonderland. Mm. I couldn't believe the hail and the mud, and the, uh, they had landslides. Mm. That they, so isn't that crazy? So the guys are on one side of the mountain with, with their shirts wide open, dying in the heat, <laughs> and they get up and come down, and everybody's in, in their snow gear. Right,
2: right. <laughs> I guess kind of, kind of like going...
0: Kind of like going from uh, from Reno to Lake Tahoe, you know, from yeah. Reno on. Well, exactly. you go exactly. across the uh, Sierra yeah, and Nevada, up. right? Yeah, you, you, you go from. Go, you just right. go up and right. over and there. There you amazing. are. Amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so, something in it. Yeah, so now getting back to uh, climate and and uh, and growing the uh, the grapes, uh, I was always interested to find out uh, Bordeaux versus, let's say, California, Argentina. Uh, maybe even uh, 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 Alto Adige in, in, in uh, Italy, yeah. places where they do uh, quite a bit of irrigation. Right. Uh, so now, traditionally, right. from my understanding, in Bordeaux, uh, even particularly Burgundy, that's not something that they normally it's not do. Out. They no, let, it's let not the uh, right. They let it's not the uh, right. Okay. Uh, so they, talk a little bit about that. How yeah, how yeah. they just let nature determine the, vin- the vintage. It,
1: well, exactly. So. Let's, let's stay on Bordeaux, okay. remember you're, you're, you're in the Atlantic Ocean, right? and you've got two major waterways, three major waterways, mm-hmm. feeding into the Atlantic Ocean. You have two rivers, the Garonne to the north, which starts in the Pyrenees, in the Spanish Pyrenees, actually near Toulouse, and then you have the Dordogne, a little bit further north, which starts out in the center of France, what they call the Massif Central, mm. and then these two rivers meet and form the estuary called the Gironde, the giron river and the giron then empties out into the atlantic ocean but it's a tidal the, the, the tidal river so meaning that that tide comes in high tide and then rolls back out mm. and what the effect is, is 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 that you've got a very high water table mm. and so the French government has decided, at least in Bordeaux many, many years ago, you can't irrigate because you have way too much water. You have mm. to, you have, when those plants go down, you have a sufficient amount of water. Okay. You know, but in, in California, it's in <laughs> con, constant drought.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Argentina, that's on the- Mountains, right. On, on, the, on, on the other side of desert, the Andes is right. a desert. Right. They have no water. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, certain places in Australia, uh, Burgundy same thing. they're, 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 they're continental, so they're further north right. uh, and lucky to be near you know, different rivers right. and, and so uh, water, water has never been an issue in, in Burgundy. So mostly in France, the areas are not allowed to irrigate. Mm. And I do, I do want to be very, very clear there is no right or wrong as far in my humble opinion about irrigation. Right. Some right. of the greatest wines in the world. Come from irrigated vineyards, okay. and I mean, lo- look at your Napa Valley Screaming Eagles right, and, right. and Harlan and mm. and, uh, and Grange from from uh, Barossa Valley in, in Australia. Mm. Come on, I mean, his wines are a thousand, fifteen, hundred dollars a bottle, right. and they come from irrigated vines. Mm. I mean. Or, or at least they're allowed to irrigate, so, right. so so that I don't get called down by one of the right. owners and say, "Excuse me, we don't irrigate." <laughs> they are allowed to irrigate, mm. whether they irrigate or not, I don't know. Right. So they may be do, doing drip irrigation, but they are allowed to. Right. Okay. Okay. You are not allowed to irrigate in Burgundy er, or Right. However, in two thousand three, they gave a, a dispensation to the growers, and late in the season said, okay, if you need to irrigate from this hour to that hour, we will... But guess what? They'd never irrigated, so mm. they didn't have any equipment in the vines. So so all, all the all the winemakers that I talked to in 2003 kind of said, well, this is a joke. Mm. How are we going to irrigate since we have no irrigation equipment? equipment right. The, <laughs> but they're going to allow us to... Right. to so, wow. so I don't think that ever followed through. Mm. And, uh, and then the, the other thing is in two thousand three, they were allowed to acidify, and in Bordeaux, you're not allowed to acidify, so mm. uh, unless it's an extreme drought year, right. so uh, and that, and that was the response of most of the um, winemakers as well. Well, hell, we've never acidified, right. added acid to our wines, <laughs> right. so we, we don't even know how to do it. So, mm. that was, so that's kind of the interesting thing. But right now what's the next 50 years going to look like with climate change i don't know mm. however they are addressing the problem now mm. and they just got permission from the french government to experiment with 10 white varieties and 10 red varieties that they are going to plant in they're already planted in Bordeaux, right. and they are going to be legal to use in 2021 and this is Bordeaux's, if you wish, uh, uh, device or, or, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Defense hmm. of trying to fight climate change is over the next 50 years. I mean, there's, you know, I read an article recently uh, of someone I respect uh, that uh, one of the great Bordeaux winemakers, and he said, you know, there may not be any Merlot in the vines in, two. In 50 years from now, wow! Yeah, in 2070 or mm. whatever, can you imagine? Mm. And um, <laughs> because if the climate keeps going, Merlot is it's not your grape variety because it's it's mm. very susceptible right. to heat. Um, it's just not as hardy as planting again. Torriga Nacional, Syrah. Mm. They have another grape variety, uh, uh, Marsalan, M mm. a r e s e l a n. Probably spelled it wrong, but that's okay. Marsalan. Uh, so there's uh, another one called uh, Castaille and the, I don't really know those two grape varieties but Bordeaux is going to plant those or already planted them mm. to experiment the just so that yeah. in 50 years if if it gets hot as heck mm. in Bordeaux they will be prepared for that climate change. So the Bordeaux blend which we know today is Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, mm-hmm. maybe Cabernet Franc, maybe Petit Verdot, Malbec. And, you know, I guess we got to, you know, f- throw in uh, um, uh, all five, but they don't always use all five, right. to be honest. Exactly. There, there, there's right. hardly anyone that ever had all In Bordeaux, in right. other places, yes. Right. I tend
0: but, to see a lot more of the Cabernet and the Merlot together.
1: Well, the thing is, right. here's, here's what when I'm, when I'm lecturing when i'm lecturing about bordeaux i always make it a point to say at least 99.9% of all red wines in bordeaux and there's 65 appellations mm. so you know like avas mm. 65 appellations in bordeaux 60 and 80 88 89% of the production is red mm. 99. I don't even know what you want to say, 5% of all wines of 6,883 Chateaus is going to have Merlot in it. Wow. Maybe a little little bit, a little pinch, Mm -hmm. maybe 90%, maybe you know, if you're in Pomerol, 90, 95 or or Saint-Emilion. And then it depends, if you're left bank, Cabernet is the more dominant grape variety, which usually makes up about 50% of the blend. Mm-hmm. In any wine from again those famous regions, Margot, Saint Julien, Pauillac, Saint Estephe, Haut Medoc, Medoc, Moulis, uh, Listrac, Pessac-Léognan, and Graves, the ten most important uh, red wine areas on the left bank, you're going to have a substantial amount of Cabernet, usually about fifty percent, wow. and then again, who knows what the other portion will be in, in terms of Merlot, right. but on the right bank, in Pomerol, Saint-Emilion, and Fransac, it, in Pomerol, it's usually 90% Merlot, mm-hmm. and 7 or 8% Cabernet Franc, and maybe 2 or 3% in the vineyards, I'm talking about the plantings, Cabernet Sauvignon, so you're not going to find any Petit Verdot. Malbec, I doubt it, uh, and in Saint-Emilion, it's usually the blend, which is all red, as we know, Pomerol, Fronsac by law, and Saint-Emilion are all red wines. And Saint-Emilion is going to be 60 to 80 percent Merlot mm. and 20 to 40 percent Cabernet Franc in the blend, and occasionally a little touch of Cabernet Sauvignon. Wow. And 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 again, very rarely any Malbec. Right. No
0: Cabernet Franc or
1: no, no, well, Cabernet Franc, twenty forty percent, right. but uh, but no Petit Verdot.
0: Okay, so now for me, uh, the first wine that I ever had that really blew me away, that that uh, made me a wine lover, uh, was the Bordeaux, and it, and uh, if I can remember, it was just so so well balanced, and, and it had some complexity and and uh, just amazing amazing tannins and. Very well aged, very smooth, and that that kind of led me into uh, becoming a wine lover. So uh, one of the things I always ask our guests, and I'd like to ask you, what was that first wine that you had that just that just knocked your socks off? That very, you recall? Can you recall the first, first one that, that really yes. knocked your socks off?
1: Uh, my, the first Bordeaux. it's going to sound so cliche, <laughs> but I'm going to just tell you anyway because. I didn't tell you that I was a uh, student winemaker at Chateau Petrus, mm. and uh, I was there for two years.
0: We should uh, all be so lucky.
1: Yeah, as a, as a, <laughs> as a student winemaker, stagiaire, and uh, that, that's the wine that blew me away, was mm. Chateau Petrus. Mm. Of course, I can't afford it now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, you don't have to pay for it anymore. <laughs> Good for you. Now I can't even afford you know, it. <laughs> you know, well, you, don't, you know, obviously, like I said before, you you don't have to pay for it anymore. Exactly. So. <laughs> you get to enjoy it. So now, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I believe one of the things that you do is uh, wine tours. So, uh, yes. It's so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the tours that you do and what you offer and, and yeah, some of the doing, regions doing where you some, do it. Some
1: Private private tours okay. and uh, I had a group last year. We spent a week in Bordeaux and six days in Burgundy, and mm. it was absolute heaven. And it was it was really really amazing. Mm. I mean, just uh, had the nicest group. They mostly all were from Atlanta, Georgia. Wow! It, it was a couple New Yorkers, and we set up a you know not not a killer. Uh, itinerary because these were wine lovers and not wine fanatics. Does that make sense? It, yes, it does. It, yes, it it, does. Where, where, yeah. where the wine yeah. fanatics want to go to four yeah. right. wineries a day. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 right. and and they were happy with one in the morning, a great lunch, right. one in the afternoon, and a great right. dinner. Right. So, um, so we did that at the end of May and, and then the first part of June, and that was just amazing. So we really covered all the bases in Bordeaux so we were again we were in in all the famous Appalachians mm. um, Margot Saint-Julien Paul Yaks and Saint-Esteve etc etc and then we, we did go to Salter which I left out because mm. um, I love sweet wines at Bordeaux and, um, and then we spent a little time because uh, we, we stayed in Bordeaux City for about four nights and then we spent the other four nights in the Grave area, at a, at a uh, very famous place called uh, Chateau Smith au Lafitte. And uh, they have a spa and had three restaurants, mm. which, which is called Cadeli, the, the Chateau Smith au Lafitte. And so it was great experiencing the phenomenal dry white wines of Bordeaux as well. Mm. So we had a lot of dry whites. and then, And then again, we went down to experience the sweet wines. Of of Bordeaux, which, even though they only represent 2%, two percent, to point five percent of the production, the wines are phenomenal, mm. and and honestly, they are the longest lived wines in the world. Wow. Yeah, they really are. Well, yeah, they,
0: they age well. They they go a long way. Oh, they go. they wow. There's no. They I go think, a long, long way. Right? I think there's no <laughs> wines
1: that age longer than those wines. Okay,
0: so now another thing I wanted to to ask you for, uh, let's say uh, if we have some listeners that uh, are new to the Bordeaux world. And uh, Bordeaux, uh, I guess because of its history and its elegance and, and things of that nature, uh, can be unapproachable in terms of price for, for quite a few people. So what we're looking for is for you to give us uh, maybe two, perhaps three Bordeauxs that may be uh, approachable for someone just really delving into Bordeaux, maybe for the first time, something, and in, in maybe uh, if you can find it, in the forty-dollar range. Well, well, I think we can I do mean, better than you that. You can do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: One one of, one of my go-to uh, reds is uh, Chateau Graysac, okay. Greysac. Okay. G R E Y S A C. It's a Medoc, Okay. And it's a it's a equal blend of uh, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, and you know, and it depends on the year. Sometimes it might be a little more Merlot, sometimes a little more Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, and you can easily find Greysac for twenty-five. Thirty dollars okay. in the marketplace, and the good good thing is because not, because yes, Bordeaux chateaus are tend to be have a bigger production than Burgundy, mm-hmm. but Grisac is really one of these wines you can find throughout the United States, okay. and it's so well distributed. And mm-hmm. the wines, I'm telling you, I have had wines back to the nineteen seventies of Chateau Grisac and they were mint condition. Mm. There's the one thing that I hadn't mentioned in, in our chat uh, is that Bordeaux reds have longevity. Mm. Even at the lesser price, wow. Bordeaux, you don't. Okay. And the good news is with 6,883 chateaus, you do not have to spend $1,000. <laughs> you don't have to spend <laughs> 500 you don't have to spend right. 300 you don't have to spend $200, right. okay. or 100 or okay. 75 The bulk of Bordeaux is available for $55 or less. Okay. Okay. All the way down to $10, $15. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I, I mentioned, I I was in Paris uh, last week, and there was this great gourmet out out where I was staying. I was in Paris, but it was a little further out. Where where I was staying, I went into the supermarket and, 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 and if you know anything about France, these, what they call supermarchés, mm. have great wine selections. Yeah. And I found a Fronsac, which is right next to Pomerol. So again, 80% Merlot, 20% Cabernet Franc. For it was in Euro, it was six euros. So call that eight, mm. eight bucks a bottle. <laughs> and oh my God, the wine was killer. 2016 vintage, great vintage. Mm. And so let me, because you asked me for a couple other. So for whites, my favorite for go-to white is from Pessac Leognan Grave called Chateau Carbonu. Okay. And readily available white, primarily Sauvignon Blanc with some Sémillon. Uh, you're going to pay a little bit more for it, probably in the 45 range. But they make a second wine, mm. uh, which is... Carbonio and and it's what happens with a lot of these great chateaus, they make second wines. Another one um, is a St. Julien called Chateau Gloria, Mm. so that's easy to remember, like Gloria. Yeah, that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, really, really super, super good, super good value. And um, for the sweet wines, one of the best is called Bastar, B-A-S-T-O-R, La Montagne, L-A, M-O-T-A-G-N-E, and it's one of the it, one of the great salterns that you can find for under fifty dollars. And just remember, those are the longest lived wines in mm. the world. And uh, there's a Entre de Mer white that I was just Just looking at the other day and in fact I I had in one of my tastings recently and it was absolutely killer and it it was Chateau Saint Marie so that's an easy name to remember right and you can't go wrong with a wine like that I mean it just probably twelve fifteen bucks a bottle and I mean come on
0: with well, 12 15 bucks a bottle here here in the US.
1: Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. S S-A-I, A like Saint with the right, knee on the S A I N T E hyphen Marie or Marie M A R I E and uh, 2016, 17, 18 are all out in the marketplace. In the mm. Killer price. Amazing. Killer killer price. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amazing.
0: Yeah. So now uh, other than, you know obviously we, we you know we're kind of talking about Bordeaux but uh, can you tell us maybe some, some of the other uh, places around the world where you take your tours
1: sometimes? Yes, uh, Rioja. <laughs> there we go, all right, I right. guess what we're drinking tonight? Rioja, yeah. right. Yes, we are. A okay. uh, little Looks like you need a little in your oh, okay. so oh, thank you, sir, you thank there. you,
0: sir. Much too kind, far yeah. too kind, yeah. <laughs> thank so, you.
1: Yeah, this is, I, I love the area. So, easy, um, it's only about three hours from Bordeaux. Or less. Right. As I always laugh, if you're French or Spanish, it's two and a half hours. If you're an American driving, it's three, three hours. Because right. <laughs> right. we follow the speed limit. Right. So, right. And they don't.
0: They don't. Okay.
1: Yeah. And it's just just one of my favorite, favorite places. Primarily red, again, 90 plus percent of the production mm. is red, mostly from the Tempranillo grape, which we are having tonight, Tempranillo. Right. Okay. And uh, there's there's... Other permitted red grape varieties, Garnacha, right. Garnache, and uh, and so so a lot of the wines are blends. But but again, the dominant grape for the it's reds Tempranillo, Tempranillo, right. yeah. Right. And then right. for the whites, they do make very good dry whites from right. the Viura, V i u r a grape, and uh, very refreshing, very light. Right. And they're making fabulous rosés there now, mm. and the place is just so scenic. And of course, the food's amazing. If you love tapas, and mm. you know the Spanish love to eat, I mean, it's just, just, just a wonderful, wonderful place to. And then the other place that uh, I've been taking folks is the province right next to La Rioja. It's called Navarra, mm. Navarra, okay. a- N-A-V-A-R-R-A, and of course. What's what's famous about Navarra is the running of the bulls in Pamplona, hey, hey. which I just <laughs> I came from the fiesta. Oh wow! wow. So that starts on July 6 mm. and goes to the 14th. So I've been going every year, uh, pretty much all my adult life, to Pamplona. For the Fiesta de San Fermín.
0: Okay. But so, I've, so have you? Uh, are you one of the people that uh, runs the bulls and jumps over them? Do you do you jump I, over the bulls I as did they approach before. you? Or? I did before. You did I, before. but I, Not I, anymore. Huh? I'm retired. <laughs> I'm, I'm retired. <laughs> you retired. Huh? Yeah.
1: And I oh, love, wow. I love the wines of Navarra. <laughs> okay. So what's Navarra? Is because Navarra is right up on the French border. Right. Uh, and this is tradition, not nouveau or anything. Navarra has always been planting Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, mm. uh, uh, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, because of that French influence, being right on, with bordering France. Mm. So, so you don't have those grapes, uh, and if you do, very little in Rioja, uh, Cabernet. Maybe there's some planting, very little, but, but, in in Navarra, they blend a lot of their grapes. With Tempranillo, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, okay. so really, really, really good, salt wines, super pricing, mm. super pricing, just and and of course, Navarra is the most famous place in all of Spain for uh, rose or rosado, okay, for rose wines. Yeah, okay. they they've been they've been specializing in in the making of rose from the Grenache or Garnacha grape.
0: Mm. So now a, you're a fan of the uh, Spanish Riberos.
1: Yes, Rivera de Duero. Yeah, yeah, yeah of you're, you're course. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I took a group there okay. two years ago. All right. Yeah, uh, and that was at the end of August two years ago. I took a group to Rivera de Duero, and we had a fabulous time. Mm. But Temper neo, but slightly fuller-bodied, right. heartier. Right. Of course, you have the famous Vegas Cecilia there.
0: Right. They, Where, they, they remind me of, uh, uh, for some reason, they remind me of, uh, I don't know if it's the heat or but they remind me of of uh australian little warmer right hot. little yeah they, they, and, and know, the right.
1: reason for that is it's it's up on a plateau okay it's a pretty high altitude but it's on a plateau mm-hmm. you have the duero river running right, through it right right but the it gets hot hot, right. hot hot and that's why they remind me London of the day. australian shiraz really hot and, right, and, and so then it, then it, like it cools night. off at night but okay. it it can be blazing, hot, right. blazing right. hot there and And so, different from... Because uh, La Rioja is tucked up in the mountains. Right, right, right. More uh, elegant, more finesse. Rivera Duero is on the plateau. Okay. I mean, it's high altitude, right? Right. But but they have um, amazing, uh, amazing, amazing density. Right. It's the fullest, along with Toro. Okay. T-O-R-O, which is further... West mm-hmm. of uh, Ribera Duero, those mm-hmm. are the two fullest-bodied, big. You know, they're the big, big bruisers of uh, Tempranillo. I mean, with mm. a lot of finesse, mm. uh, but but you're talking Toro, quite high in alcohol, mm, right? And right, right. and um, and with the um, with the Ribera Duero, slightly less alcohol, but okay, lots of tannin, lots of strength. Right, um, love the wines from both regions. Okay.
0: Okay. Now help me with this. Now I had I, I recently had a, a uh, from uh, Spain, Bierzo uh, Bierzo, So uh, Manencia. So I, I had one from and
1: the mencia or the Man-thia Man-thia, grape. Mencía, right? Grape, and it yeah, reminded which, which it, has recently been rediscovered. It's a very old grape right, variety, right? Right. But
2: right.
0: But
1: it's it's a grape variety that uh, has has been rediscovered uh, right. primarily by. Right. Um, Several people: uh, mm. Raúl Pérez, and then okay. my great, great, great friend, uh, Alvaro Palacios, okay. and his <laughs> his nephew Rafael. Really, those are the three. And then, I mean, I, because I'm personal friends with Alvaro okay, uh, Palacios, who's also family makes wines in Rioja and makes right. wines in Priorat.
2: Right. Um, the
1: the wines of of of, of, of of uh,
0: Palatios, right? Uh, he and his um, nephew are setting the world on fire. Okay, so now help me with the when. when I, help me with this now. When I when I had that, uh, you know that, uh, Manessia was.
1: yeah, the, okay. the 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 red grape. Yeah, yeah from beer to, powerful. Yeah,
0: that reminded me of a. Uh, I rarely throw names out, but that reminded me of of a California Faust Cabernet.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, okay. That bright cher- cherry red fruits, yeah, yeah, that 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 makes sense. Yeah,
0: I was, you know, and it was maybe a little more subtle, you know, not as forward as as the California cab, but that's what it reminded well, they're, me they're of. they rustic, it. right, I mean, right, I mean, right. I
1: mean, they're up in the mountains, right. So you're you high altitude again, mm-hmm. uh, totally rediscovered grape variety, mm. making you know just uh, amazing. Amazing, amazing uh, wines, and I think I think look out. There's more to come. There's uh, w- you know, we're going to be we're going to see a lot more wow. out of out of uh, out of uh, So okay. bierto being the region, right. Mencia being the grape Great, variety. M E N C I A. Okay,
0: so uh, we're going to take a little break here uh, at one bottle at a time, and we're here with uh, Mr. Robin Kelly O'Connor. And uh, Robin, one more time, if you can tell our audience the uh, wine that we're enjoying today. Sure, I'd be happy. The one bottle we're enjoying today.
1: I'd be happy to tell you. (laughs) So we are having Vivanco, capital V-I-V-A-N-C-O, Crianza, meaning a Crianza, just so you understand the Rioja lingo, Mm. they go Hoban, meaning young wine, Crianza, Mm. which spends a year in oak and a minimum year in bottle then Reserva and Gran Reserva. So we're having the Crianza, uh, which is really, I love that category because the wines are so easy to drink. And then again, this is one of one of the great winemaking families and truly, the, out in Spain it's the single greatest wine museum mm. and they have a restaurant and a tapa bar wow. at the winery. So you'll <laughs> never go hungry. Wow, well, Forget about thirsty, you'll just drink the whole time. <laughs> And it's just just set right in the middle of the valley with the mountains surrounding, and it's just one of the most stunning places. And you can see the artwork on the. So so wow. this this is a, an original Beautiful. piece of art, yeah, wow. uh, from Miro, who was wow. a very famous Juan Miro, cool. <laughs> one of the most famous uh, post-impressionist artists. Right. And um, they have the original Juan Miro painting in their gallery mm. which you can see when you when you visit there okay so highly and i took a group here two summers ago and it was fabulous
0: okay all right so uh, we'll be right back to one bottle at a time
2: And let the world know the deal Pour me some wine And everything is gonna be Everything is gonna be alright Pour me some wine So I can make it through this lonely night Pour me some wine So I can tell you, I can tell you I can tell you exactly how I feel Pour me some wine
0: Okay, we're back, one bottle at a time. Uh, We're here at uh, Le Midi in uh, New York City with Mr. Robin Kelly O'Connor of RKO Vine. And uh, we've been discussing uh, some of his uh, experience going around the world. And uh, we had a little little focus on uh, Bordeaux today. Uh, particularly uh, the climate and how it affects uh, the grapes and the wine and the terroir and all these things. Uh, Now, Mr. Uh, Kelly, uh, as you uh, mentioned to me, you actually also spent some time uh, in the Orient. And uh, I've been reading in the uh, trade press the last couple of years that, uh, uh, I guess, China, with all the cash they're they're flushed with from uh, us U.S. consumers have been buying up some of the Bordeaux chateaus. And I've read a few things about uh, how some of the uh, the native French are not really taking too well to that. Oh, so they come on their French. OK, <laughs> I mean, all right, OK. Uh, so just first. I love the French. You love but, the French, OK. But, but, okay. But, uh, <laughs> and
1: it, it, listen, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be any different whether it was Chinese or right. English or right, right. You know, Australian came in and started buying chateaus. Okay. They'd be, they, 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 they're, they're, their feathers would get ruffled, rough, okay. I assure you.
2: Okay.
0: So now what I'd like to do now is uh, lead a bit into that. Uh, t- I want you to talk a little bit about that, uh, I guess, that particular uh, uh, a group of uh, wine lovers and wine buyers. Uh, buying into uh, the chateaus as owners because they love the wine so much, uh, and then they from, do. Right, right, they do. Okay. Yes, and they and do. then they, they, right, love right.
1: The, they love the wine. They love the prestige. It's uh, it's an interesting phenomena. So right now, the latest figure that I have is that 100 chateaus in Bordeaux have been bought by the Chinese. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah. Wow. and so and with some pretty impressive names that have been buying them. I mean, some, 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 some of the owners are, are really up there in the, uh, in the press. Mm. (laughs) Uh, so Alibaba, the, the owner, the chairman of Uh, Alibaba, Jack Ma, Jack Ma has bought in Bordeaux. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, the, the Chinese are totally intrigued right. by Bordeaux. I mean, so what you have is you have a, a, a phenomena going on in China. Uh, the, this love of Chinese wine. I mean, the Chinese wine, sorry. the well, There will be a love of Chinese wine. I'll get to that. <laughs> Someday. But the, but the love, love of French wines, <laughs> okay. particularly, probably certainly the last 20 years right, right. Uh, that it's gained a lot of a mm. lot of steam and uh, really inspired these chinese business people to to purchase uh chateaus in bordeaux but both both chinese men and women to, to be fair mm. and i think it's a great thing right uh right. The, the, the 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 like any area an area that's been around for eight or nine hundred years like bordeaux well, thousands of years, but but remember what I said: modern Bordeaux, <laughs> eleven fifty-two. Mm. So, and I always say that tongue in cheek. Mm. However, the, you need you need a little lift. You need a little energy to come in, even if it kind of makes some of the locals unhappy. You know, because they're protective of their patrimony or whatever. Right, uh, right. I think it's great that the Chinese are coming in and buying chateaus. Mm. Because what they're doing, a lot, of, a lot of the chateaus that they're buying have been chateaus that really needed uh, capital infusion, okay. needed better winemaking, needed mm. good winemakers to come in. Some invigoration. Cause
0: it,
2: cause it, right. Yeah,
1: because there's the terroir is good. You know, mm. the, you know, the, the soil is there. Mm that we're not worried about but what happens lack of capital investment mm. you these these properties start running down mm. because they're not reinvesting they're not reinvesting in the equipment that's necessary to make decent wines they're not reinvesting in the vineyards so so i mean it, it, it's just the, the whole the whole ball of wax that that you've got to look at and so i think it's a very positive thing okay and to be honest, just before the Chinese got seriously uh, interested, in the mid to late 80s, there was a lot of insurance companies, many of them French, but a lot of them international, that, that, that uh, uh, I'm dating myself, but in 1987, there was a global crash in the economy. And right, there I remember a, There that. was right. a crash in, right. in the U.S.
0: Right. big time in 87. They called, they called it Black Monday. Black Monday right. in October in, right. and, Man, and, in 1987. Right. <laughs> and I
1: remember, well, I was living in Princeton, New Jersey, and okay. oh my goodness, uh, all the, I, I, I had a wine store just right. outside of Princeton, okay. and I had a really- super, I was living in Japan. Oh, you were living in Japan. At, at that time, a, but I, I remember. It's super, super clientele. <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, my God, uh, they were calling me the next day saying, can, any way you can buy, buy back all my wines. Wow. And, and, and if, I, if I had had the capital all the time, I would have bought back all their wines. Because, <laughs> because if I would have just waited like three more years, right. I would have sold them for double the price. But okay. uh, But uh, the book of ifs, we wow. can't write all, every day. Okay. However, back when the, to the Chinese, right. uh, I've, I've had the great experience. I went last year. To Japan, I am a judge at the Concorde Mundial de Bruxelles. All right. So, so CMB, and it's just one of the most prestigious uh, wine judgings. Uh, we were 350 judges, and we judged 9,500 wines wow. over four or five day period. And we were hosted by the mayor of Beijing. Okay. And it was a phenomenal experience. But what my f- great experience was in not only to be a part of a judge and be a part of this was that they organized these amazing tours of the wineries that are in and about Beijing. And there's a, there's just some spectacular wineries that let me tell you what's going to happen. Mm. China in not too far off in the distance is going to be making world-class wines. They're already making, mm. in some areas, world-class wines, but look out world wow. because the Chinese, when they put their mind to it, you're talking about civilization, mm. it's been around for 8,000 right, right, years. Right, right. They, when They The Chinese <laughs> are single-minded when it comes that I want greatness. right. And I, I just think I'm so impressed mm. with what they're doing at these wineries, uh, who they're hiring. They've been hiring a lot of french and american consultants fair enough okay but guess what they're in their infancy and, and their vines are very very young mm. but they have the money they have the dedication and most importantly they have the passion okay so the, so, so i'm very pro chinese I, I, okay. I think chinese, i got you i, got I think you. the chinese are, are, are amazingly passionate uh they they they're they're, they're like good students every time okay. I'm with the chinese they, they 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 can't learn enough that right. you know you can't give them enough can't give them, them enough okay yeah. so
0: now in that vein help me out now do they have their own native varietals or are they doing uh, what with the new world people did when they kind of kind of kind of sourced the french varietals that are they're, they're, you know is what's happening in terms of uh, the varietals that they will be yes.
1: planting no, so, in in, so. in china So, yes. So, what do you have? Yes, international varieties. Okay. Uh, But one variety, again, that I had mentioned that's going to be allowed in Bordeaux, because I I mentioned before that they're going to allow 10 new white varieties and 10 new red varieties Mm. that are already planted. And by 2021, uh, no more than 5% of the blend, producers will be allowed to use these grapes in the Bordeaux blend. Mm. Uh, The one thing that they're not gonna do yet is they will not force the producers to put it on the label that they use. (laughs) Right. It'll be other.
0: Other, okay. Okay, Okay.
1: so so Cabernet Sauvignon 60% and 35% Merlot and blah, blah, blah. And then that other, it will be just an X percent of other. Right, right. (laughs) So you get the picture. Right. This grape Marcelin seems to be doing really well, particularly up in the Beijing area. Mm. Uh, and so I found that the wineries we were visiting, everyone was uh, growing and producing a wine with Marcelin, mm. blending a good blending grape with Cabernet, okay. with Merlot. Mm. and um, so. So just, that's just one example. Right, but, right. But, but, but my hunch at this point is that uh, you are going to see mostly international varieties. Wow. That, 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 right, that, right, that, right. That, that, that okay, so
0: so really it'll end up mirroring what the New World did, too, for the most part. Absolutely. Right, okay. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay, sounds yes. good. So now doing your wine judging, uh, in, in China in particular... Uh, what was your experience, and uh, what was the, uh, I guess, the take on the whole scenario by the local Chinese?
1: Yeah, so it was great. What um, the way, so we were three hundred and fifty judges, and each committee, if you wish, we were broken up into groups, and so we had a, uh, a what we call group chairman. And then there was five of us. So we were sitting with the group chairwoman or chairperson or man looking at us. And then five of us in in a circle. And on our panel, because we were in China, every group had a Chinese judge, Mm. which was great. Mm -hmm. And that's to honor the host country. So which I think is very, very smart honoring the host country so they had a a chinese uh delegate for each group so we had a one i had a professor who was just wonderful that, that was one on my group and then i was myself okay U, united states i think we were 10 judges out of the 350 from the u.s mm. and i had a portuguese spanish french uh, where else? Where else? Uh, it's going to come to me, Bulgaria. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was really great. So you had this very international group, and hey, let's be fair. We had all different tastes, right? Profiles. To, uh, you know, all our palates were different. You know, what what one judge made loved, I hated, or <laughs> right, what right. he hated, I loved. You so yeah. so. But, but that was the cool thing, is is to be with this international, uh, you know. No, no pun intended, but 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 the the, the palette colors, you know, mm. of, of everybody being from so so many different countries, and, mm. and uh, yeah, it was it was fabulous. It was mm. re- really really fabulous. And then they had um, amazing uh, dinners sponsored by wineries in the evening, or we would go out to wineries and split up. I mean, not all three hundred fifty went went to the same winery. They would break us break us up into groups, maybe groups of one hundred or. 75 and you know send us to four different places so so the, so the so that there was four different experiences mm. and um yeah it was just just uh, you know wish i could be back there right okay yeah, okay. Was, okay wonderful it was, it was, it was a, so really so watch amazing. out
0: for the chinese wine Yes. So, right, yeah, right. I, 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 yeah. Make I mean, make some shelf space up on, uh, yeah, yeah I, up on I, uh, Madison Avenue and Park I, I, Avenue. Absolutely. make some make some shelf space, huh? Right? Absolutely. Okay. We're, we're, we're not
1: <laughs> we're not that far off from greatness. Okay. You know where maybe it took regions like Bordeaux hundreds of years to right, right, find right. its stride, find its 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 right place, the right grape, the right location, the right ter- terroir, right uh, but. Yeah, I think the Chinese are gonna just compress that into a very short wow. period of time. But the only thing that they can accelerate is the age of the vine. Right, so, so right, right. really, the greatness will come when the vines get older. Okay. So, so I'm looking at if the vines now are five or six years old, or three years old, or um, you know, when they're 20 and 25 and 30. Mm. We're gonna have some excitement! Wow. It's be very okay. And so, then I, I don't know if you were aware that um, the Chinese are the number one importers of Bordeaux.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah. that's why I started out this segment talking about how you know they they were actually buying some of the chateaus and and and, and saw yeah. a little you know saw a little static for doing that. But oh yeah, yeah like I said you know yeah. I mean obviously with with the economy the way it is in the world right now, they' they're, they're uh, you know they're doing the making and everybody else in the world is doing the taking and
1: absolutely you know yeah. so they
0: they're, 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 they're flush with cash and, yes, they're, they and, and they're they're making good use they're, of it yeah, yeah. you know yeah. got live you know, got to yeah. live good, yeah. got to live good It's yeah. all about the experience at the end of yeah. the day
1: exactly so. exactly. and, and uh, I, this is gonna sound redundant. No one in France has to worry about one thing. Mm. They only own 100 out of 6,883, 6, okay? Do the math. Right, right, right. You know, so all this alarm. Right, oh my God, right, right The, the right, Chinese right. are coming. Yeah, not, the Chinese not,
0: are coming. They're coming to buy up the whole country. Not, They're going to buy all non- the wine. Right? Nonsense. <laughs> Such right.
1: nonsense. But, wow. you, you know, the press, they need something. Right, yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. You Got to have a story. Got to have a story. Got to have right a story. About, right, right
1: about, right about,
0: right about. Right. What's the story? Got to have a story. Got to have a story. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're going we're gonna to end the program here. Now, you've been such a wonderful guest. Oh, thank that, you. Uh, I love it. It's You know, we're going to have to do it again. I would love and, to. And we'd like, you know, to do it again soon. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say that uh, it's been fun. It's, it's been good. It's fabulous. Been, it's been It's been real and it's been real fun <laughs> chatting with you about about wine and uh, the way we like to end our program here at one bottle at a time is uh, to uh, give a little literary nugget or uh, even a personal nugget of a, a uh, uh, of nugget. a uh, of a short story I am I'm a I'm a short story fan myself and uh, so I'll throw out my short story of the day and mine is the cop in the anthem by the great american uh short storyteller mr o henry so uh for those of you who are uh, in reach of your literary library at home uh, go grab uh, your o henry uh compilation and read uh the cop and the anthem again if you've read it before a wonderful story and those of you who haven't well go ahead and google it and then And read the story. Wonderful story. Amazing story. So, Mr. Uh, O'Connor, go ahead and give us uh, your short story of the day.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's my short story of the day. Uh, I just came back from Pamplona, Navarra. Okay. And I mentioned I love the wines of Navarra. And Pamplona is the capital. And, of course, Pamplona has a special event starting on July 6th every year for the last three or four hundred years called the running of the bulls Hmm. and uh, from the sixth to the 14th starting on the morning of the seventh to the morning of the 14th there's eight bull runs and I started running bulls uh, right out of college and (laughs) went many many decades however in my love of running with bulls which is a little dangerous I should say, uh, and I'm, I'm a living proof of it. I discovered that they not only run bulls in Pamplona, but they run bulls in all the villages mm. around Navarra. And it just so happened that one year I worked the harvest in Navarra in a town called Sangüesa, mm. which was about 50 kilometers, 55 kilometers. So, what's that make it about 35 miles, 40 miles from? from Pamplona to the southwest, but in the mountains. Mm. And in September, Sanguesa has the last bull run of the year in the province of Navarra. Mm. They love their bull runs in Navarra. And I happened to be there and, and I uh, had, had run the, this uh, bull run before when I worked the harvest the year before. And uh, it was a interesting day. It was the morning, they always run the bulls at about seven or eight o'clock in the morning. And I was heading home because my father was very sick. He was uh, dying of cancer. Mm. And my mother, this is pre-cell phones, had gotten in touch with me and said, you got to get home because your dad's, right. you know he's on, the, on his last last breath, really. He mm. "So you got to come home. And so that was on a Sunday, September 12th. And I was not going to run because I said, well, that's silly because I, need, I, need, I was going to fly out that afternoon. From Pamplona to Madrid, and then the next day I was flying Madrid, Malaga, Malaga, New York City, JFK, and at the last minute I decided to run the bull, the bulls, and there's all they always run six bulls, and I got badly gored. I got hit by the bull, wow. and I was opened up 25 inches. I got. Uh, <laughs> I got <laughs> eviscerated.
2: <laughs> wow,
1: man! And uh, yeah, I was in, I was in uh, I was in bad shape. I was uh, uh, I was uh, rushed to the hospital, and there uh, there there, there, was, there was no hospital in this town. It was a little tiny mm-hmm. village. They sent me. They initially took me to the clinic, and the one doctor in town just said, "I can't do anything." <laughs> S- <laughs> S- sending sending the Pamplona to the mm-hmm. University of Navarra Hospital. Okay, so they. Uh, sent me there, and uh, I was just remember get it. I got last rites from a priest because it's a very Catholic country, mm. and went into the operation room and uh, did wake up a day later, and then several days later went in for the next because I was got got gored just below the heart, mm. and then. Uh, Ripped me apart uh, right through the stomach in 25 inches, uh, and I had the uh, next operation. And <laughs> remember receiving less rights again, wow. and spent uh, quite a long time—the better part of the month—in in the hospital. And then I got uh, Medevac because my my mother who was uh, that that the hospital was in touch with said we've got to get you back because your dad is so bad mm. you know, he's not really going to survive so they uh, got me out of uh, Pamplona, and then on the second um, uh, of october i think it was that they flew me back but the interesting thing is that remember i said i got gored on the 12th of of september well, that flight that I was supposed to catch the next day on the 13th crashed. So, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, yes, in wow. Malaga. So I, the, the flight went from Madrid to Malaga, then Malaga, New York. And upon, wow. upon takeoff going <laughs> to New York, the the plane crashed. So the headlines hmm. the on the Tuesday, which, of course, I was in intensive care and all that, so I didn't even see it, uh, Bull saves young American's life. <laughs> this is in every newspaper in wow. Spain. <laughs> wow! Oh my! Goodness. And then, uh, so um, I did did the return on the second uh, uh, of October, and uh, sadly, my dad died when I was in flight. So, I, hmm. and of course, I didn't find out until I landed. My my uh, family was there to greet me and said. Uh, you know, we lost your dad a few few hours ago. So, hmm. tried to make it back. <laughs> wow! Uh, so wow. that 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 that's my that's my story.
0: Okay, the story of a uh, fearless young man in, in his in his uh, all about wine. in his wayward youth, <laughs> wayward youth. But okay. all,
1: it's all about Navarra. It was go. all all about, all about working working the harvest in that town okay. that I still love. Okay.
0: So, Mister O'Connor, we must do this again. And uh, also, uh, for our audience, if you can give us uh, your website and also your uh, email address for those who'd like to uh, communicate with you. Absolutely. Yeah, sure, sure,
1: sure. So the website is www.r, as in Robin, K, as in Kelly, O, as in O'Connor, V-I-N-E, as in Vine, so r rkovine at gmail.com
0: Okay, that's, that's your email address, not your website. Yes. <laughs> right, Did right. I just say website? Right, right. And you it, said website. You do yeah. have a website, too. And I'm doing okay. well. Hey,
1: we just had a bottle of new <laughs> <vodka>.
0: Come on. <laughs> okay, I'm a little loopy.
1: <laughs> Joking. Okay, that's, so why, the, that's, that's why what, it's called
0: one bottle at a time. Yeah, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: Right. And the web, right. the website is right. www.rkovine.com okay. www. okay o, v, i n e. dot com. Okay. So R-K-O-V-I-N dot com.
0: Okay, wonderful. And, uh, Thank you. Now host, I know uh, the difference right. between. Okay, <laughs> no problem. Okay, and our host today has been Le Midi uh, in New York City, located at 11 East 13th Street, uh, close to Union Square, for those of you who oh are a, no, no, no. Uh, familiar with New York City. So once again, Le Midi, located at 11 East 13th Street in New York City. And this is Ronald Dorsey for one bottle at a time. And Mr. Connor, once more, the bottle that we enjoy today.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> Vivanco Crianza 2014 Rioja, 100% Tempera Neo, 100% Red, and 1000% Delicious.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. This is Ronald Dorsey for one bottle at a time. Keep it moving. One Bottle at a Time is a production of Sky Palace Music. One more night, oh,
2: so, I, so I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you how I feel, so I, so I can let the world know the deal, oh, 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 for me so I, and everything is gonna be, everything is gonna be, oh. Pour me some wine, so I can make it through this lonely night. Oh, oh, oh. pour me some wine, so I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly how I feel. Pour me some wine, trying to let the whole world, I can let the whole world know the deal. you come see me for a night. Oh.